I, I got in trouble. In the middle of this train, there was a pink, not a love bug, but the, one of those vans, the old fashioned, like what surfers used to use. Uh -huh. I took a picture of it. The train stopped. The, somebody got off. They took my camera, took out the film and handed the camera back to me. And I'm like, oh boy, I could have got, that could have been an international incident. But I thought it was the funniest thing to see a pink Volkswagen wagon or Volkswagen in the middle of all these tanks and everything else. So. Welcome to the Crossing It Off Podcast, where we believe living with intention through a bucket list lifestyle is a great way to bring yourself personal joy. As you are crossing items off your list, you're actually filling up your bucket. The more items you cross off, the more joy gets added, until eventually your joy spills over into the lives of those around you. Now, let's start crossing it off together. When you look at your list, how much of it is stuff that's important to you, or is it things that you've seen on Instagram? When you set up your list to be about your list and no one else's, that's when you can have the most impact on yourself. Our bucket list storyteller today created a list that reflected her needs, her wants, her desires, and the joy that she wanted to get back out of the world. And when she did this, she was able to overcome some pretty major obstacles to crossing those things off. When the adversity came, she was able to conquer it because the items on her list were her passions. Let's learn more about her story and start crossing it off. I'd like to introduce you to a, today's bucket list storyteller. Her name is Sally Gibbon, and she describes herself as a real estate investor and someone that loves helping people save money on their taxes. Sally, welcome to the show. Thank you, Roger, for having me. I appreciate this. I love to talk about travel. Awesome. So tell us, what is the thing that you crossed off your bucket list? I crossed off the Trans-Siberian Railway from Moscow to Beijing. It was amazing. That is awesome. So, so is that normally where it starts? Tell people a little bit about the Trans-Siberian Railroad and it's kind you, of you, there's two different directions: Moscow to Beijing, or Moscow to Vladivostok, and then you can do it backwards from uh, Beijing to Moscow, or from Vladivostok back to Moscow. I was in Eastern Europe, and so that's why I went from Russia to Beijing because. I wanted to see the Great Wall of China at the same time. How long is that trip? Does that take? Seven days. Seven, a week. So that's not too bad. That's not. And do you have a sleeper car in there? I mean, is it? Correct. I, I was traveling on my own. I got in the middle of a Norwegian travel group. There were three uh, Norwegian friends who were traveling. So I was the fourth person in, in, in the, and there were four of us in a uh, sleeping car, if that makes sense. And when you're riding the train, the, can you see stuff or is it or is it very limited or you have the windows it's this was back in 93 so it might, might have changed but they don't have like an observation deck like Amtrak has mm -hmm. but you can stand at the end of the train you can look out the windows I mean going through uh Mongolia and through the desert you know I grew up in Phoenix I, that, that desert's completely different than the desert I know <laughs> yes for sure so Sally tell us why did this come up onto your bucket list why why did this thing? Did you do you want to make it happen? When I was young, uh, the summer I turned seven seven to eight, we took a train ride from um, ooh I forget the uh, from Edinburgh down to London. It was the first time I ever was on a mm. train, and I loved it. And we had I don't know where I learned about Lake Bacall being the largest uh, fresh body water. It was always on my bucket list. And when I got assigned to Eastern. Uh, to Poland with the Peace Corps, I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. When I, when I, when my two years are over, I'm going on the Trans-Siberian. And so when you're riding for those seven days, you have stops? I mean, do they, do they have long it stops? Was very or... 
it was very interesting. They do pull over, uh, you know, to the uh, larger cities. When I was living in Poland, I traveled by train quite a bit. And when you come up to a train stop, people would be selling hard boiled eggs. People would be selling pierogies. Again, this is 1993 in Russia. And there was nobody being industrious, you know, selling any mm -hmm. food. And thank God I got involved with the, the Norwegian group because they said I had to pay 22 American dollars to get on the food plan uh, on the train. I don't know if you know this part of the story. Six hours before I got on the train, everything I had was stolen out of my locker at the trains uh, the, in the lockers at the train station. And all my food, I had like canned food, I had candy bars, you know, things, things. So thank God I, I found people. We had caviar, we had bread. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we, we had amazing food for the $22. That's that's good that you were able to accomplish that. How did you keep? I have to ask. All your stuff stolen, and you don't have anything, but you still get on the train. What was that feeling like? I mean, were you just so determined that you were going to do it, or that it was, say, la vie? What were you thinking at that time when you said, "Okay, this, this, this is a funny story." My 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 family's like, "You shouldn't have done it." You know, when you have a a premonition that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the train station and. I didn't know, uh, they call them uh, uh, the woman who you give the coins to to get the little locker. She has a key to open all 12 lockers at the same time. So I had a little gym bag with my camera, my passport, my money, a change of underwear, and a, 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 a change of t-shirts. No, no short, you know, just the shorts I was wearing. The panty, the lady who was running it talked to the police officer. He walked me across this humongous train station in Moscow to call the U.S. Embassy. Uh, an attache came to pick me up. They took me back to the embassy. They had me look through uh, mug shots, and I picked out two guys who were working my working in the locker the aisle of the locker room, mm -hmm. who were Russian mafia. And they're like, "You have to go back to the United States today." I'm like, "No, I have a ticket for the Trans Siberian Railway." So they let me call. Uh, the only my, my I lost my address book, so the only number I knew was my brother's number. He had lived in the house for 15 years. I called the number at two o'clock in the morning saying, hey, I just had everything stolen in the Trans-Siberian. I picked out Russian mafia. I'm get, I'm going to Moscow. I'm, I'm going to Beijing. And the attache gave me a letter to call back, you know, to, when I get to Beijing, to call my brother to say I got there okay. The train pulled out of the station and three blocks away, I literally am running after the train as fast <laughs> as I could to jump onto the end of the train because they were afraid that, you know, I don't look Russian, and the the Russian mafia knew it, I was an American, and they stole my things. The gentleman from the embassy thought it was extremely dangerous. I'm like, I've been traveling for two years now. I, I, I I'm yeah. going. I, I want to be on it. A lot of determination there. So yeah, that, let's let's talk about the train itself. Like mm -hmm. many of us have, like this impression that we get from Agatha Christie novels and all that kind of stuff yes. of what this looks like. Describe the actual train and you know what your setting was when you're inside the, the train it was nothing fancy it was like a, a foam bed of uh, bunk beds so two on this side two on that side you could put up the top bunk bed so you can sit like a, a like on a couch in between mm -hmm. um one thing i did have thank god was i had a deck of cards the uh three norwegians i was traveling with they had nothing to do, so I taught them a game called 31. We played poker. I mean, we, we, we did a lot. My biggest problem on the train, I was reading a book that only had 30 pages left, and I had two more books in my backpack, 
Uh, I don't know about you, Roger, but reading the same book over and over again, it's really boring. <laughs> Depends on the book, but yeah I, I, yeah, I imagine after a couple of days that would be. And okay. so you had a sleeping car and, and you hung out with the, your new Norwegian friends. The dining- Correct. There was a dining car. We had to go two cars up to the dining car, but the two cars we passed through were also up the same way, four bunk beds. You know, um, some cars had six people in them. I don't know how they slept narrow i mean very very narrow that yeah. you know if you're I, I i'm a restless sleeper so i i had the top bunk and you could put up a rail so you didn't fall out i had to put that up and the food i mean was it as elegant as what we see in the movies or again this was back in 93 it was what you expect i lived in poland for two years it was a regular train it wasn't elegant my parents went on the um orient express and my dad loved it i mean my dad talked how elegant it was uh what i did and my parents actually went on the train siberian four years after i did and my dad was the right my dad agreed with me he goes it's not elegant it's just functional if that makes sense <laughs> yeah sure and i asked if it stopped did were you able to like get out stretch your legs go visit stuff i mean was it kind of touristy so or was it just some of the places, you know, they they where they were changing things, they would give us, you know, uh, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. So like in Ulaanbaatar in um, uh, Mongolia, I purposely got off and I walked one way and then went down another block and walked back just to say I've been in Ulaanbaatar to mm-hmm. see what the city looked like. The longest stop was when we were coming into China. They had to change the wheels on the uh, train. They, they literally shifted it because the Russian trains are in very narrow uh, gauges. Yes. Chinese trains are much wider uh, changes. So that was like at one o'clock in the morning to like three thirty in the morning, and they woke you up and said, "Get off the train," and you're like, "Oh, you know, you're tired, wow. and you're sitting in it." There was nothing in the train station that where they were doing this. There was no vending machines. There was nobody selling anything. We we all just slept slept on the benches that we were uh, waiting for the train to get uh, the wheels fixed on it. Here at the Crossing It Off podcast, we are passionate about inspiring you in your bucket list lifestyle and empowering you to live out your list. We offer many resources to assist you in your bucket list journey, such as web resources in the show notes, bucket list mentoring services, my book, Live Out Your Lists, a private Facebook group for you to share your bucket list success stories with others, and more. All of these can be found at crossingitoffpodcast.com. Find the resource that fits your need so that you can live out your list. Now back to the show. So when you get to Beijing and you're done with these seven days, looking back at it, was it worth it? Was it? Was it? I loved it. I loved it. Lake Baikal was incredible. Just out of um, Novosibirsk, we, uh, we got pulled over. And we had to wait two hours while this amazing train went past us with tanks, with military, everything else. One of the uh, Norwegians I was with was a sergeant in the Norwegian army. And as soon as we got to Beijing, he had to go to the Nor- uh, Norwegian uh, embassy because he was counting exactly how many tanks. It was, <laughs> they they did insurgents. I want to say it was August 6th of, 2000, uh, of 1993. It was Siberian army was going into Moscow to do the insurgents. So, I mean... I was living in the middle of history, if that makes sense. It was just, yeah. I, I got in trouble. In the middle of this train, there was a pink, not a love bug, but the, one of those vans, the old fashioned, like what surfers used to use. Uh-huh. I took a picture of it. The train stopped. The, somebody got off. They took my camera, took out the film and handed the camera back to me. And I'm like, oh boy, I could have got, that could have been an international incident. But I thought it was the funniest thing to see a pink 
Volkswagen wagon or Volkswagen in the middle of all these tanks and everything else. So oh, you you were taking pictures of the other the other train. Correct. Ah, uh, right. okay. <laughs> so they, they, they had soldiers on on each of the train cars that were going by. So one of the soldiers saw me take the picture and. That, that that huge long train slowed down the soldier jumped off and we didn't know what was going on because you know they had ak-47s and he takes the camera from me and just rips the film out i'm like okay i i guess i will have a picture of the the pink volkswagen <laughs> in the middle of pigs I, 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 who i don't know why they would have that in the middle of a military convoy if that makes sense it was yeah. just a funny thing to look at yeah well i'm sure somebody was greasing the wheels to get something that they wanted there i'm sure <laughs> Exactly. It was probably some general's uh, personal vehicle or something. Yeah, no doubt. So Sally, what's something that if you were in a conversation with somebody at a Starbucks and they said, oh, I've always thought about doing that. And you were sharing this story. What are some of the things that you would recommend to them to do to like get the most out of the experience? I would say have small bills, like dollar bills, have something to trade, you know, maybe uh, fancy pens or something like that. Because especially in Ulaanbaatar, there were kids all over the, uh, they, want, they wanted things from you. When, when I left the train station, just a lot of kids. Unfortunately, I had little gifts to give to people, you know, because I was, I was told about that. But it's relaxing. It's, you see so much different topo- topography as you go along. I mean, Lake Bacall, we were just at the edge of Lake Bacall, how it goes over. And this lake... I, I, I don't know if you've traveled to Israel and uh, in, in, um, Jordan, but Sea of Galilee is a little tiny lake. Lake Bacal mm-hmm. looked like it was an ocean, how big it was. It, that, you know, Ulam, Ulaanbaatar was interesting, going through the desert. I mean, the whole experience was just do it. Just go, get on it and do it. I Maybe it's gotten fancier since I did it, but I'm so glad I took the time to travel on it and to just have that experience. It was an amazing experience to have. Awesome. And how, looking back at it now, is there something that happened or something that clicked in you that made some kind of transformation in you from crossing that item off? Or was it was there something that changed inside Sally? It's funny because when I saw your post about crossing things off your, your bucket list, I always have 10 things on the bucket list. So when that okay. got crossed off, Machu Picchu's on there. I'm a uh, scuba diver, so I need to go to the Galapagos Islands. You know, there's places I want to scuba dive. So I do have a top 10 and my COVID stopped it. But every year I cross at least one thing off my top 10 list. And when you do that, what is there? What's the benefit that you get out of having that list and crossing those items off? I honestly feel we need to know every, you know, to travel someplace to learn, learn about a culture. Like I, I had spent four days in, um, in uh, St. Petersburg, and I spent three days in Moscow just to learn something about another culture. Uh, the the joke was, at the time I'm, I'm in Russia, my younger brother was applying to be a Secret Service agent, and there was a question about, is anybody in your family a communist? And my brother's like, uh, my sister's in Russia? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so he still got the job, but it, it just, just to see something new, to do something new, I Roger, I don't mean to talk uh, make fun of somebody, but I got set up on a blind date when I was living in Massachusetts. And literally where I lived in Massachusetts, it was 10 miles to New Hampshire, to the mall of New Hampshire, where it's tax-free. The guy I got set up with thought it was a badge of honor that he's never left the state of Massachusetts. And I'm like, <laughs> oh boy, 
we're, we're, we're nothing alike, you know, yeah. I'll finish this blind day and we're done. We're done. So. Yeah, I totally understand that. You've got to have some kind of a connection with those that you're looking at spending more time with. And if they're not in travel and you are, that could be a, uh, definitely a problem. We kidnapped my uh, when when my uh, youngest nephew graduated from high school. I kidnapped my two uh, my two nephews and I took them to the Outer Banks and I signed them up for a Discover scuba diving trip because I love to scuba dive. And now my two nephews are scuba divers too because it's just a different experience. If you haven't if you haven't tried it, try something new. Yeah, it's important, especially when you're putting your list together. Um, I think it's good to put things on there that that uh, push your boundaries and. Push your push your mindset a little bit. That's a good thing. Exactly. If you don't mind my asking, Roger, what's your number one on your list? So <laughs> I've only I, I have 106 episodes, and I've only ever done two episodes of things that I've crossed off. So it's not trying to make it less about me as much as possible. Um, I'm not a. I don't do this for to instill FOMO in people. I do this to inspire and encourage and empower people to cross stuff off their list. So but at least you have a list. Congratulations. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 95% of people in America would say they have one, but only 40% have it written down and are doing anything yes. about it. So that's exactly uh, also part of the reason why I do this is I want to encourage more people to actually write their list down. So, so I'm actually going to ask you the question <laughs> because that's the, that's the thing. So Sally, what's something else that's on your bucket list that you want to cross off that you're thinking about? My number doing? one, but my number one bucket list. I I really messed up my back a few years ago, so I don't think I can do the six mile, uh, six day hike into Machu Picchu. But I do want to take the train. I might be pronouncing it wrong. Carousel into Machu Picchu, where you can stay overnight. Mm-hmm. That that to me would be amazing. My my father did that after my mom died, and he just said it was most. He, he sat on thousand year old ruins with nobody around and just he he was an artist and he was drawing all the pictures and he said it was the most amazing time he spent in Machu Picchu after the crowds had left. So I have to ask you because I've heard heard you say it a couple times during the interview your parents seem like pretty open adventurous type people how did that impact you growing up? My mom was from very rural uh, Ireland a, a small town in Donegal she left uh, Ireland at 16 to go to London to become a nurse. She had never seen uh, electricity until she got to London. She wow. was working her way around the world. Uh, she wanted to get to Australia and fly with the Outback, uh, the, uh, outback Flying Doctors. Uh, this was back in the 60s, uh, but you know because she was Irish, she couldn't work in a federal hospital. So they sent her up to a small town in uh, Alaska, Bethel, Alaska. That's where she met my dad. And you know, as kids, we had a pop-up trailer and my father worked for the Indian Health Service. So we would go, he would go someplace to be the pharmacist for two weeks while the pharmacist went on vacation. So, you know, we traveled all over the Western United States. Um, they, they installed the love of travel for me. I have two brothers. One brother does a lot of traveling. My other brother does nothing. The, the <laughs> one with the two nephews, they don't do anything. I I, I don't know where, where he lost the bug. <laughs> yeah, we're all different for sure. Exactly. But, but but that's amazing that you had parents that were, you know, willing to, I, cause I did not, I, my parents, I think my parents, the wildest travel I ever saw them do up until my twenties was go to Hawaii. Right. And they did tons of traveling after that, but growing up, I, you know, my formative years, I did not have a lot of people around me that did travel. So it was something that was 
exciting for me and I had a lot of wanderlust. So I'm, uh, I wish somebody had been more. But you're doing it. That. Yeah. Oh, sure. Well, the, the joke in my family, my birthday's um, in uh, the third week of August and I have had some of the most amazing birthdays in different places in the world. Mm. And everyone, I still, to this day, will go someplace for my birthday, someplace different. So I can say I've been, you know, we'll keep doing that because the year I turned 16, we were in Yellowstone National Park and we were on a hike and there was like, it, it felt not an earthquake, but the earth was shaking and the park ranger's like, run. So we're all running as fast as we could. And a geyser that hadn't gone off in like, I don't know, a thousand years went off. My dad's dream was to see uh, Old Faithful. So we went to go see Old Faithful. I'm like, this is boring. The other guys, the other <laughs> guys, it was so much better. But I mean, it happened on my birthday and I'm like, what a birthday present. That's amazing. Sally, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate you telling your stories. That's awesome. Thank you. Where can folks find you online and, and what do you do there? I am a real estate investor and I help uh, 1099 income earners save uh, on federal taxes, 70% on their paychecks on federal taxes. And investors save for capital gains, interest income, dividend income, rental income, and uh, uh, royalties. The reason I do this is so I can go on my fantastic vacations mm-hmm. where I want to. And the website is the trustisyou.com. And my podcast is Stop Paying Capital Gains Now at, with an exclamation mark. I appreciate you having me, Roger, because I, my family, does, we don't talk much about traveling right now and because COVID, and I, I, I want that to change now. I heard it called revenge travel the other day <laughs> the, <laughs> that people are, uh, have been so pet up for so long that now everyone's out there doing it. So Sally, thank you so much for being here. I uh, hope that you get the chance to do the Machu Picchu trip. If there's anything I, I can do to help you make that happen, you know, for sure. Let me know. Uh, it tends to be a lot, a lot of people's lists and I'm sure it'll be a great experience. And once you get it done, let me know. And we'll have you back. Excellent. Thank you, Roger. I hope you have a wonderful uh, summer then. 